Hello and welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast. Coming to you from the Tabernacle of Praise Church International, headquartered in York, South Carolina, where our founder and overseer is Bishop Alfred Jackson. Copies of the message from this broadcast can be purchased at our headquarters in Monrovia at the Hope of Praise Church in Numatadia States, where Jackson G. Weah is pastor. We would love to hear from you, so write to us here in America at 229 Wood Street, York, South Carolina, 29745, or email us at tabernacleofpraise at msn.com. Thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful day. Something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Y'all listening? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, hatred. Be kind and affectionate and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let me go down to chapter 5. But be imitators of God, therefore as dearly beloved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, are y'all with me? There must not be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's people, God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity. Stop cussing. That's what we call it. It's obscene language. Nor should there be any obscenity or could be obscene pictures and stuff like that that you're watching on Facebook and, and on those X-rated sites. Uh, Foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person such as an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. I'm going to stop right there. I could read on. You can read on. Go to any of the epistles and read. Part of our problem is that we don't read the Bible, and when we read it, we don't believe it. Whew. Read it. Read it. In the 22nd and 24th verse of this chapter, It shows us that the major changes, the major changes must occur when we are converted, when we are saved. Old practices and old habits have to be replaced with new habits, good habits, godly habits. So Christians have to learn. Somebody say Christians. Christians have to learn. Now, we we want the world to change and be like us. But we need to learn. Christians have to learn. Good habits. 
You know, good habits like studying the Bible. Good habits like praying. Good habits like loving God and loving people. Good habits like faith and faithfulness and patience and kindness and honesty and attending worship. Good habits like giving to others, like giving to God, like teaching others, like sharing our faith. And we have to eliminate all of those bad habits. They're hard to eliminate, but we, we have a responsibility to come to God and change. Don't get bored now. This is not a, this is not a fun message. Because we will allow old habits to, to, to just stay with us because we're so comfortable with them. They become like familiar spirits. They're familiar to us. And, you know, we quickly say God understands. No, God says change. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you might prove what is that, what well, I switched the verses around, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Who? Yeah. So we got to eliminate those bad habits. Foul language, uncontrolled temper, gambling, doing drugs, drinking alcoholic beverages, gossiping, lying, viewing pornography, sexual promiscuity, adultery. We got to eliminate those bad habits. That's what the Bible is calling us to do. Now, knowing what we need to change is one thing. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Knowing how to change is totally something different. Amen? But it's not impossible to change. Does anybody say amen to that? It's not impossible to change those bad habits. Amen? Remember that a habit is a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially something that's hard to give up. And it becomes ingrained in us like a river that's running through a canyon an old tree whose roots have grown deep into the ground is very difficult to, that's very difficult to uproot. Yet we are called upon to change. Called upon to change, saints. Yeah, we were talking this morning in class, in our minister's class, and got to the point we talked about how sometimes in our churches it's like Christianity is a plaything. And we play with Christianity. We come to church and we want to do this. We want to do this yelling, hollering, screaming, running thing. And we want to go back out and we want to live the same way. That's not, that's not the way Christianity is supposed to be. My wife saved the episode, episode of Dr. Phil where they had this lady. And I don't, know, I don't know what kind of mindset she was having that day. That she would get on national television and really just Steve Harvey. Who did I say? Dr. Phil. I what you see? I got the same opinion about all of them, but my opinion really doesn't matter. My opinion really doesn't matter. If, you know, self-help is good, but we need God help. We need God help. I need to know what God says, you know, and if they can't tell me what God says, then that's a dangerous thing because they'll put a twist on it. 
So, you know, he'll say, well, don't sleep with a person until after you've dated them three times. What about don't sleep with a person until you say, I do, at the altar? I mean, that's what God says. So this lady is on Steve Harvey, and she talks about she's a soloist in her choir, and, 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 and so there's another lady that tries to outsing her. You know, and they go through this whole scenario on national television that makes our churches look like we're foolish people and that this is a plaything that we come to do. We're not here for foolishness. This is not a plaything. This is a life, a death matter. Because God is serious. God is real. And we've got to come to that point that we understand that what God says is true. And God doesn't have to, and God will not change his standard just because we don't agree with him. He's not going to change it for me. He's not going to, I'm not going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and say, well, Lord, I would have changed, but I didn't understand. No, 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 no. Man, you are without excuse. Because even if you didn't hear the gospel, you have evidence in nature of what my truth is. So we, we, in this dangerous saints of God, when we make what we make our worship experience seem like it's something to play with because there's not anything to play with. And it's dangerous when we say one thing in the sanctuary and we say one thing before some people, but we live a different way. That's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. So we have to change these bad habits. And they're hard to change because they become familiar to us and we like them. We, 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 like, we like what we're doing. And we don't want anybody to tell us we can't do that. So how do you change? How do you change? Where do we get help in the process? Well, you know, we know some of the answers. But rather than just saying, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us, there are some things that you and I need to do along with praying and asking the Holy Spirit to help us. Are y'all still in the house? You know, because the Bible says the word of God is the sword of what? The sword of the spirit. What is a sword? It's a weapon. So the word of God is the weapon of the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit going to use that weapon on first? Me. So in each one of our lives, the Holy Spirit is going to use the word to, to, to work out of us those things that don't please God. So, so, so 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God or is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for, for correcting, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God or the person of God may be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. Changing bad habits is a good work. 
So if you want to change your bad habits, you have to do more than pray. You've got to get in the word of God and you've got to know what the word of God says about your bad habits. That's the starting process. It's the sword of the spirit. If you are a believer and you get into the word of God, the, word, the, the Holy Spirit is going to take that word and the, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you of your wrong. You can't tell me that he won't do it. He's going to do it. And even if you're the one preaching, don't you think that I think that I'm excused from this because I know I'm not excused from this. If you're the one preaching, the Holy Ghost will take that same word and convict you of your wrong. But why does he convict you? Just to make you feel bad? No. No. You're going to feel bad, yes. But he, he wants more than you feeling bad. He wants you to change. Somebody says change. He wants you to change. So it's the word. It's the word of God. And we need to go to the word of God because it's in the word of God that's we're, that we're going to be thoroughly furnished under every good work. And changing your bad habits is a good work. It's good work. So, what do we need to do? We need to examine, we need to scrutinize, we need to take a serious look at our relationship with God so that we can make, make an honest assessment as to whether our relationship with God is one that brings Glory and honor to him. Let me break down that word glory. So that we can discern whether our relationship with God is one that pleases him and makes him smile. When God looks at you, is he happy? When God looks at the way you react, is he happy? I was in church the other night and I said something that I shouldn't have said. It wasn't anything bad, but then I thought about it. That didn't make God happy. So I thought I won't do that again. You know, sometimes I, I can just say some things. Because they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing. And the pastor wasn't there. And they'd asked me to come up to the pulpit to help them. I asked them to let me sit on the floor. No, they wanted me to help them. So they were in the midst of worship. And I'm like, you're leaders, you're in the midst of worship. Do what you're supposed to do. Because sometimes we, we'll act like, no, the worship needs to flow. You know, we're not looking around like, like we do sometimes. Who's supposed to sing? <laughs> no. The word, and so I, just, I just said it, and I shouldn't have said it openly. Everybody didn't hear me say it, but the people sitting close to me heard me say, y'all need to get up and do what you're supposed to do. I said, Lord, I won't say that like that again. <laughs> because I want my relationship with God to please him. I want God in everything I do when he looks at me to be happy with me. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we need to we need to compare our lifestyles with that that's put forth in the scriptures. All right? Never compare yourself to another person. Go to the word of God and find out in the word of God because that is the final authority for believers now. If you don't believe God, then you do what you want to do. All right? But the day is going to come when you're going to give an answer for the deeds done in your body because ultimately you belong to God. Every created person on this earth belongs to God. Amen? And that's why, saints of God, we cannot be slack in sharing Christ with unbelievers because we ought to not want anybody to be lost. We ought to want everybody to come to the saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And we got to stop agreeing with people. Yeah, we got to love people even when they do wrong, but we can't just agree with them in their sin. Amen? We can't agree with wrong. I don't care if it's your mama. I don't care if it's your brother. I don't care if it's your sister. I don't care if it's your son or your daughter. You cannot agree with them in their wrong. You don't stop loving people. So you're driving down the road and you got an experienced driver in the car and, that, and you're not an experienced driver and they see you doing You're going to sit up in that car and let that person go 120 miles per hour. They ran through one stop sign. They ran through a traffic light. And you're going to sit up in the car and hold your peace because you don't want to hurt their feelings. We have to... We, I'm going to finish this message next Sunday. This, this is one of those messages. But let me go a little bit further today. Amen. This is, this is a five-part message. Amen. Hallelujah. So we need to compare our lifestyles with that that's put forth in the Scripture, in the New Testament, and ask ourselves, does my life add up? All right? Do I live like the Scriptures say I should, I should live as a Christian? I'm talking to believers. We need to do this. We need to do this. And we got to do it without looking at the next person. We got to look at ourselves and say, does my life, does my life add up to what God says about me as a Christian? I, I know people get mad at me sometimes. You know, let me tell you something. There are certain rights that I have. And I know folk get mad at me and they stop coming to church when I say certain things. But if I see something and if I speak to it from the pulpit and you get mad about it and you stay home, I'm not the one that's wrong. You're the one that's wrong because I am the head of this household. And if I speak to my household, my household needs to listen. Your feelings might be hurt. But rub your feelings off and come back and get another dose. Because in the end, it'll help you. Somebody say, it'll help me. Well, Bishop, why do you say some of the things you say? Because I am not looking, I'm not looking out of your situation. I'm looking at the word of God. And I am speaking to you from the word of God. And sometimes I see things that you don't see in your actions. 
I'm trying to say is you need to go back and rethink things. Rethink your relationship with God. No, you don't have to answer to me. But you got to answer to God. And in the meantime, while you're trying to get your act together, you are being a stumbling block to somebody. That's why Paul said, if eating meat offends my brother, then I will not eat meat. And you got to know the whole context in which he was talking. Meat idols under meat that's been sacrificed to idols when Christians would go in the marketplace and buy the same meat. And as a young believer that would come in and see that Christian buying meat that's been offered up to idols and thinking in their minds is wrong. And for the believer, it may be all right. But there's some things you got to consider that young person. You got to consider that person that's watching you that sees you standing up in the pulpit preaching and sees you singing and hears you testifying and then they see what in their minds is something that a Christian should not be doing and they see you doing it. And this is what they'll say. They'll say, the pastor is wrong. They won't say the Bible is wrong because they ain't read the Bible. They'll say what the pastor said is wrong because they're reading people and, and in your sinful nature, you're always looking for a way out of right. Oh, yes. I've done it. You've done it. You're looking for a way out of right. And then the world used to sing a song, if loving you is wrong, you know it. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Who sang that? Otis Redden or somebody back then. He wasn't talking about loving his wife either. So we have to examine. We have to examine our lifestyles. It's so easy to pick up stuff from the world, saints. We're always bombarded by the world. Think of the time. This is why you got to have a personal Bible study life and a personal prayer life. Because if you're not constantly in the word of God and you're not studying the word of God and that's not what you're meditating on day by day, you're bombarded by things from the world more so than you're bombarded by, by the word of God and by spiritual things. So, you got to compare your lifestyle. Ooh, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Ooh, Lord have mercy. So, Elder Stowe, I got to love you like I love me. But first of all, I need to love God first. Because if I don't love God with all, if I don't love God with all, then my love for you is going to be imperfect. It's going to be imperfect. And I'm going to, if, if I don't love God with all, Elder Stowe, I'm going to see you doing things you shouldn't do, and I won't say anything to you about it because I say I love you too much to hurt your feelings when your feelings need to be hurt. And it's not about me hurting your feelings. It's about me speaking the truth in love. But it starts with me examining my relationship with God. 
Because if, if, if I don't examine my relationship with God and see where I am with God, then I'm not going to be in a place where I can help somebody else. Whew. So your love relationship with God is the greatest motivation to change in bad habits. The greatest motivation. If you love God with all, think about this. Think about this. How many people have said to their husbands or their wives, I love you with all my heart. And I know what we're saying. But when you love, how can you love two people with all your heart? So sometimes we're not really speaking the truth when we say that. We're just trying to impress people. Yes, you love your spouse. But if you love your spouse with all your heart, where's God's place? What's going to happen when your spouse asks you to do something that's contrary to the will of God? Who are you going to love first? Who are you going to honor first? Who are you going to obey? You say, well, I'm going to obey God. No, you just said you love your spouse with all, so God is second. It really means you're going to obey your spouse. I'm not telling us to stop saying that. Just know what you're saying and know what you, know what you mean when you say it. God is first. I want y'all to be getting mad at me. I don't care if you get mad at me. You know I don't care if you get mad at me. I really don't. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, that's the greatest motivation for change. Loving God. Loving God. Loving God. Huh. Love and dedication to God. is And in and, and, and Romans chapter, I'm, I'm going to finish, I'm going to really finish this next week. Love and motivation, uh, love and dedication to God will cause you to change those bad habits. That's the starting point. Because otherwise, you're not going to have a motivation to change. We love ourselves. Human beings have a problem with self-love. You know, we've grown up as little children and we've grown to love ourselves except for children that have been abused and mistreated and, you know, been treated like they're nothing and, and they, they grow up hating themselves. But most of us grow up loving ourselves. And our parents just load it on to them. And we should. We really should love our children. But we have to somehow or another find a happy medium in there. And we just load it on our children, making, making our children think they're the greatest thing that ever happened since something. Anyway. So, so to change and to love God is a difficult thing. But that's the starting point. So when I come to love God, I open myself up to the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes in and he starts renewing my mind. Because that's what has to happen. The way I think has to change. The way I think, all of this old stuff that I learned in my former life has to change. But until I hear the gospel, and in the gospel, what is the good news? For God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son that if I would believe in him, I would not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God, the love of God expressed in Jesus Christ 
It's a gospel message that brings newness to my mind and starts me thinking in a different way and open to the Holy Ghost to come in and start making change in my life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, for, the love, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And this is what he says. His commandments are not burdensome. Loving God. So when I love him, when I develop that love relationship with God, it's not a burden to live holy. It's not a burden to change from cussing. It's not a burden to change from drinking. It's not a burden to change from a lifestyle that doesn't honor God. It's not easy, but it's the love of God that constrains us. It's the love of God. It's not, it's not, it's not a burden to stop drinking. It's not a burden to stop lying. It's not a burden to stop stealing. It's not a burden to stop being a weight on other people. The Bible says a man doesn't work, you don't eat. So I get a job. It's not a burden. It's not a burden. But it starts with loving God. Let's stand.